Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au God is a good God, amen? Well, it's a privilege to have Pastor Gary and Amanda Fox with us today. Uh, Originally from uh, South Africa, they're based in Idaho, USA, and they also have uh, three daughters and a number of uh, grandchildren as well. Uh, Over the many years of ministry, they've pastored churches and ministered in nations uh, all around the world. Uh, Pastor Gary and his wife, Amanda, lead an international ministry called New Life Movement, a ministry that mentors pastors and leaders. Um, They have a passion to see the church flourish, uh, to mobilize churches to reach the Great Commission, and to see the church led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, I know that God is going to speak to us this morning. Uh, We had dinner together last night, just uh, sensed a beautiful spirit about uh, both of them, and there's a real heart for the kingdom of God. And I know that God is going to speak into our hearts and our lives, individually and also corporately as a church. So would you give uh, just a great big welcome as uh, Pastor Gary comes uh, to share the Word of God today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I do not have an American accent. I think the previous guy sounded very American to me. I love this country. Last night we were at a restaurant and I, they asked if we wanted coffee. And I said, I'll just have a small uh, flat white. And they brought a little, uh, what do you, espresso cup with the flat white in the espresso cup. That was awesome. I've never had one of those before. So uh, it's good to be here. And I'm so happy about what happened yesterday. I actually stayed up last night to watch some of those results, and uh, God's doing something. I'm telling you now, God's doing something. Uh, No matter how you feel about America and the president there, God is doing something phenomenal. As a pastor, I want to say that the Lord saved the church in America. I'm telling you now, the Lord saved the church, and this is an opportunity for the church to arise. Romans chapter 8 talks about the whole of creation is groaning in anticipation for the revelation of the sons and the daughters of God. Amen? And so what's happening in the world is really a call to the church, to us, to arise. Amen? Thank you for the background music. That was very, that was awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, when I was pastoring a church, that would have been $5. And $5 charge. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So you did the introductions. Yes, we have three daughters. We have nine grandkids. And uh, it's amazing. We're missing them like, I don't know, I can't tell you. We had to bring our children up in a very sort of ordered way because we were traveling different parts of the world. And so they had to get to bed at a certain time. They couldn't eat candy, you know, before supper. In fact, after they brushed their teeth, no candy. They had, you know, it was pretty strict. And uh, I lost, I've lost it now with my grandkids. I'm telling you. (laughs) You know, I feel like a drug dealer in my own home. (laughs) Uh, Because my my daughters say, Dad, don't give them any candy. 
please, Dad, don't do it. And I said, okay. And I, and I know I'm lying to them. <laughs> I said, okay, I, I won't do it. I won't do it. And they get there, and I can't help it. I find myself in the pantry, and I'm digging into those gummy bears, and I'm stuffing my pockets. And I said, oh, God, forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> and I walk down the passage, and I look at them, and they know. One by one, they know what to do. They come very carefully out. And I hand them the candy and don't say anything. But it's really fun. It's really fun. I love them to bits, Amanda. Why don't you stand up? This is my lovely wife, Amanda. In America, we go through a supermarket with my daughters, and they almost always say, you have four lovely daughters. And I don't say anything. I say, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> This morning, I want to talk to you about a subject that's dear to my heart. And uh, as the pastor said, we, we love the church. Uh, when I got born again, the first thing I had a love for was the Lord, of course, the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. But I love the church. Jesus is the answer to the world through the local church. And the local church is staring at me this morning. It's you and I. Amen? And so I have a real passion to see God do something phenomenal in the church. My subject matter today is called more or less. More or less. And um, it's kind of a funny phrase because it could mean a number of things. Uh, it could be kind of like a compromise. Uh, is the weather good? More or less. You know what I mean? Uh, sort of a happy medium. We can look at life like that. Sort of, okay, I'm, I'm all right. I'm sort of just coping kind of thing. Um, it could be the way I view the world. I can see the world as, you know, a cup half full or a cup half empty as well. Amen? And, uh, but the, the main thing I want to say this morning, and I want to start it with this and end it with this, is that you and I filter every single thing in our lives through more or less. Profit or loss. When it comes to our jobs, when it comes to our careers, when it comes to our plans, it's always more or less. I'm either seeking more or I'm losing a lot. In our relationships, it's exactly the same. I've been a pastor for 38 years, and I've had multiple people in my office um, premarital uh, couples, for example, and that are wanting to get married, and then couples that actually don't want to be married anymore, kind of thing. And it's constantly a negotiation. It's like, well, what's the problem? Well, I'm not getting enough love. Well, I'm not getting enough attention, and, and my partner is, is really not you know, giving me what I need. And it's a negotiating process. And I want to say this morning that there's something different that you and I have to apply to our lives. Amen? Something different. So, um, we're really are tackling the elephant in the room, in a way. Um, <clears throat> the elephant in the room is really you and I struggling to deal or to reconcile with the promises of God and some of the stuff that you and I are facing every day. Um, as I've traveled all over the world, I've sensed there was a, there's a little bit of a spiritual fatigue 
in the church. And uh, people that are, were once maybe regular attenders are not attending anymore, or they're irregular. And I would ask them why are they doing this, and they said, well, we're just so burnt out. It's just, you know, it's just so tired. And I think that's a prevailing feeling amongst ordinary people, if you like. So, that, you know, I don't know why he always gets his prayers answered, but I seem to I seem to struggle getting my prayers answered. Amen? It's almost like sometimes, and I'm just throwing this out, it's almost like it's going to take a miracle to have a miracle. And sometimes, you know, God knocks on the front door, and I go and open the front door, and ten minutes later, he comes walking through the back door. And a lot of it has to do with the way we filter everything. Amen. Praise the Lord. Excuse me. Life is unfair sometimes. It really is. But you know what? God is always fair. Say amen if you agree with me. God is always there. We sang about it. Such wonderful worship. I want to compliment the worship this morning. Powerful worship. Such truth that they sing. We go to a lot of churches, and they never even sing about the Lord. They always sing about themselves. And this morning, you put all the focus on Him and His goodness. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we need to reconcile the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the blessings of God, the inheritance that we have in the Lord with our lives. We need to begin to do that so we don't get burnt out and overwhelmed and overcome. Life is unfair. Sometimes it's, it's really mean. And unkind. It taketh and it giveth. It seems to taketh more than what it gives. Amen? And I want to see if this morning we can maybe solve some of those issues here in this church. Praise the Lord. In our lives. Hallelujah. Things happen so randomly as well. Uh, you, know, um, you know, for example, trouble you know, trouble seems to suddenly appear unexpectedly. And, and it's that randomness that we're struggling to understand. Thank God for scriptures like, you know, count it all joy when you find yourself in many troubles, knowing that the trine of your faith works patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete in him. Praise the Lord. Wonderful, encouraging verse of scripture. But this morning, we need to get down to the bottom line. What's really happening? What's going on? And I want to start there, and I want to end with this filter that we have. The bottom line is, if you put away everything, take everything away, except for what's really happening, and that is that God's plans and purposes are being fulfilled. It's God's plans and purposes and it's the enemy's schemes and plots. There's no way the enemy can deter the plans and purposes of God. But he's giving everything he's got to do that. The problem is you and I are caught in the crossfire of those two purposes. I call it no man's land. 
You know, in the First World War, they had trenches and the Allied forces would be on the one side and the German forces on the other side and they would lob each other. And every so often, uh, one of the forces would go over the top and it was like, it was like a suicide uh, thing that they, they endeavored. So they went over the top and they just got shot up and blown up and, and they, they had to duck and dive and uh, very few people made it in the no man's land. I want to say this morning, time has come for us to not live any longer in the no man's land. We don't belong there. And one of the reasons why we're suffering the way we're suffering isn't because of the weapons that are formed against us and the bombardment of things that uh, happen in our life. The reason why is because we're in the middle of those two and we should be aligned with the plan and the purposes of God. Amen? Amen? Who knows that you and I all have our own plans and purposes as well. And it's that that brings us kind of to that center place where, you know, there's times where we're leaning more towards God's perfect plan and purpose in our lives. And there's times where we're sort of leaning a little bit too more, too much over to the schemes and the plots of the enemy. And that's the bottom line. That's why we struggle, is there's a battle going on. And we're not supposed to be in that battle. We're supposed to be, if you like, at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, there are things that come our way. And yes, we are transformed and changed and, and renewed as a result of that. But at the end of the day, I want to be the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Just like he is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Amen? There's some important adversarial elements in our lives. And I'm just throwing these things out and then we'll put them all together at the end. Um, first of all, we have the genetics of Adam. Um, Adam was created for abundance. Genetically, spiritually, in every way, he was created for abundance. God put him into abundance. He was designed for abundance. He was designed for plenty. He was not designed for loss, less, oh, sorry, less, lack, trouble, struggle, and need. Genetically, he was incompatible with those things. But of course, he made a decision. And it was a bad decision. Amen? And it was really Adam who created loss. Less, lack, trouble, struggle, and need. And you and I are suffering as a result of that. Adam sinned and opened that door. But I want to tell you something right now. You and I still have the genetics of Adam. And so we're not compatible with these things. We're not compatible with loss, less, lack, trouble, struggle, and need. That's why we always caught by surprise. Every time there's a problem, it's like, where did that, where did that come from? How did that happen? We're never, we're never really looking for trouble either, are we? It's not like we're sitting, uh, I think we're probably going to get some trouble tomorrow, or we're probably going to get some problems you know, this week. No, we're not doing that, because we're not compatible with that. We're always expecting the best. 
But when trouble comes, it's a devastating thing sometimes to us. It's an overwhelming thing. I always say to people, you know, trouble isn't spaced out nicely. You know, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, maybe another one. Maybe we can give a bit of a break on Wednesday or another one on Thursday. Trouble all comes at once. Count it all joy when you find yourself in many troubles, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. Hallelujah. So he's not compatible with us. And this is both a, a blessing in the sense that God created it, but it's a problem because this world will never give you what you expect genetically. That's why the second Adam came, Jesus Christ. Amen? And he came to rewrite your DNA. He came so that you can have more than what Adam had. I always think about Adam had everything. He owned Australia. He was the title deed holder of this country uh, right in the beginning. He was the first owner of real estate in this part of the world. may not have been here, but he owned it. So that's the sort of bottom line. We have three actual adversaries that are sort of have a mission against us. And I want to speak to, about them quickly. The first one is the devil himself. First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When I read the scripture, I... If there's any South Africans in the audience right now, I think the devil's stupid. Because a lion will never catch a prey roaring. Come on. In Africa, if there's a movement, if there's a, you know, a bush uh, uh, shakes a little bit or there's a smell of some predators, they're gone. Let alone roar. But the devil is a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What the devil is trying to do is trying to sow fear and deception into the lives of people. That's what he's trying to do. And uh, to resist that, we have to walk in faith and truth, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so the antidote to the, to the schemes of the enemy is faith and truth. Be a man and a woman of faith. Be the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Consistently believing and trusting the Lord. Not overwhelmed. Not living in no man's land. But living in, if, if I may say, the trenches of the purposes and the plans of God. Hallelujah. Amen. The second adversary or enemy and now, if, if you would fasten your seatbelts this morning, maybe just hold tight to your seat, because this might rattle a few people, but your second biggest enemy, if not the biggest enemy, is you and me. We have a little part to play in this whole mess, to be honest with you. We really do. I can sell myself ice in the Antarctic. I'm serious. I can tell myself that is good when it's not, 
And I myself will believe myself. And I could do this over and over and over and over again, and I will constantly believe myself over and over and over again. In fact, sometimes the devil says, well, look, he doesn't really need me. I'll just sort of relax you, put my sunglasses on and catch a tan and, and just let Gary do his thing. If I can just sow a little bit of fear and, uh, you know, a little bit of deception there, um, he does all my job. He does my job. I stand before the Lord one day. I'm not going to say, Lord, just hold on. I want to just bring Satan out here because this is the guy that made me do all this stuff. We have veto rights. And so what do we contribute? What is the negative part of what we contribute? Pride and disobedience. That's what we contribute to the schemes and the plots of the enemy. And how do we resist that? Through humility and obedience. Humble thyself before the Lord. Humility and obedience. And the third one is life and life stuff. Life is in your face 24-7. You know, when you wake up in the morning, guess who's there looking at you with a smile? Good morning. I'm your debt. And I'm here waiting for you. Amen? Good morning. I'm your problem with that person. I'm waiting for you. We're dealing with stuff every moment of the day. In fact, I think it's one of our biggest distractions from really serving God. We don't have time. We're dealing with all the stuff of life. We're overwhelmed by the stuff of life. What does that bring? What negativity does that bring? Despair and being overwhelmed. Amen? But what is the antidote? Hope and victory. So when I walk in faith and truth, in humility and absolute obedience and hope and victory, I walk in my victory. I don't have to wait for it to happen. I walk in a mindset of victory, a heart of victory. Then I'm shifting out of no man's land into the promises and the purposes of God. Does that make sense? We need to focus on the real thing. Oops, my computer went for a loop here. Just a sec. We need to focus on the right thing. Technical problems. I want to read some verses out of Genesis, and I'm going to end off here shortly. Genesis 2, verse 15. And this is kind of like the cliff notes of the story of, of uh, uh Adam it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 3, 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Uh, Genesis 3.17, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. 
Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Um, and I want to just read uh, Genesis 1. I was going to read that first, but I led to read it at the end. It says Genesis 1, 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I want to say something, that when God created Adam, he created Adam because of his plan and his purposes. He didn't, stand, he didn't get up, well, he didn't get, doesn't get up in the morning, but you know, he didn't walk around and say to the heavenly host, hey, I'm going to create a creature with two funny legs, and I'm going to create this ball in the sky, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun. He didn't do that. He has always had an eternal plan for man. And his plan and purposes motivated him to create you and I. And the reason is, is because you and I are part of that plan and purpose. Amen? The, the uh, psalmist says that uh, before the, the earth was created... And before you were created in your mother's womb, um, God's thoughts about you were like the sand of the sea. So we kind of existed before this creation was created. I don't know how far back, but in eternity on that side, we kind of existed in the heart of God in much detail. Now we're living now and we will live forever with him. Amen? And so when you step back, you begin to realize it's not just about my life. It's not just about my problems. It's about God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Adam had a problem. Adam fixated on what he did not have. There's three parts of Adam's life. The first part was what he had. The second part was who he was and why he was. And he fixated or he focused on what he did not have. One solitary tree he did not have. And that was what predicated the sin. It was beginning to focus on his need which, by the way, was not his need. He had everything he desired. And I want to say this morning that you and I need to not focus on what we don't have, but we need to focus on who we are and why we are. God created Adam for a purpose. He's, you are born again for a purpose. Adam was created out of the earth, and God breathed his life into him, and he became a man. You and I are Born of God, blood of his blood, flesh of his flesh. And you and I have an eternal purpose. And the time has come, brothers and sisters, that the church needs to focus on the right thing. Needs to focus on what's important. And what's important is why you're here. Of course, Jesus is the most important, but why you are here. 
And when we do that, we shift over out of that no man's land. And instead, instead of filtering everything through more or less profit or loss, we do what Jesus says. We give everything to gain everything. We lose our lives to gain our lives. Amen? That's the new way. To die, to lay down your life for your friend. That's what God's calling us to do. I'm sorry to say, but the church has in many ways become selfish, self-centered, generally speaking. I'm talking, and I, I love the church, and I'm, I'm being critical, but it's, I, I, I'm challenged to see that transformation take place. And not that to happen in the church. You know, it's become a self-improvement organization and not a mission for God. And, you know, we come to church because we want to get better. We want more. Because we've discovered we've got a lot less. But we need to come to church and be part of a team like this because of the call and the purposes of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So... More or less is a, is a struggle because you'll never have enough based on that filter. You'll never have, if you like, what you think you should have. I've had people in my church, they've suddenly had a lot of money. They've, uh, their business has flourished and suddenly things are going well. They still want more money. Can't get enough. The only person that can give you not just enough, but pressed down, shaken together, and running over is Jesus. And the only place where you find that abundance is in Him. Amen? Praise the Lord. Who we are and why we are. Second Timothy talks about it. It says we're saved and called. Saved and called. Not according to our purposes, but according to His purposes. Two glories. Not just salvation, but two glories. Salvation and calling. Two sides of the same coin. If you're saved, you have to be called. If you're called, you certainly have to be saved. Amen? If you just live in your saved mode, it's all going to be about you and what you don't have. If you live in your saved mode and your calling mode, it's all going to be about Him and you're going to rejoice in the abundance that God has given you. Amen? Talking about abundance quickly and I'm, I'm landing the airplane now, Pastor. John 10.10. I'm not going to read it. But it makes it very clear that God has purposed for us to live abundantly. Amen? Let me tell you something. You know what our problem is? We live on the edge of abundance. We really do. For example, if tomorrow you go back and your boss decides he's going to raise your salary by $1,000 a month. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? 
A thousand dollars a month. You say, wow, that's amazing. Thank you for the abundance of the Lord. Within no time, you've spent that thousand. If you haven't spent that thousand, you've immediately earmarked it for something. <laughs> Come on, everybody. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't. But we always live on the outer edge of our abundance, and we wonder why we're not having abundance. I believe you have to begin to enjoy your present abundance if you really want God to abundantly bless you. And these are some solutions to this dilemma that we have. Implications. God has not only saved me, but he's changed all things. All things. I mean, that's impossible, Pastor Gary. I, I still have problems, and I still struggle with this. God has changed all things. I struggled with that scripture because I thought everything was going to get better and better and better. I thought when I get saved and I go to a Bible study or I go to a small group or I go to church and I read my Bible and I worship the Lord, my bank balance would get better, everything would get better. And a lot of things did, but many things seemed to not get better. Until I read that scripture, count it all joy, when you find yourself in many troubles, I began to realize the very DNA of everything changed for my benefit. Amen? Hallelujah. The fourth thing I want to say, and the last thing, is we need absolute obedience. Absolute obedience. We really do. Um, 1 Samuel 15.22 talks about obedience. It's, it's good to sacrifice. It's better to obey. Okay? Uh, I read that scripture and I thought to myself, well, good, better, what's best? I mean, if it says it's better to obey, there must be something that's the best. And I prayed about that and the Lord said to me, he said these words, he said, super obedience. And I said, what's super obedience? He says, it's certainly not reluctant obedience. A lot of us obey because, oh my gosh, what does the Bible say? Oh, okay, well, I better obey. And that's good. That's better than sacrifice. But I want to get to a place where I just want to obey. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what the implications. It doesn't matter what the consequences. I want some super obedience. Amen? I was in the army in South Africa, and I had a little sergeant. He was about this tall. And he used to chase us around. He had a mouth about this big. <laughs> and he used to command, you know, he used to shout out these commands. And we were out doing maneuvers. And he got us to the sand dune. And he said, I want you to run up that sand dune and run down again. And don't stop until I tell you. We had full kit and helmet and, and weapon. And we were up and down the sand. And we were swallowing sand and falling. And I was sweating in the middle of... It's summer in Africa, and eventually I got to a point where I said, that's it. I'm done. They can shoot me now. I am not going to get up the sand dune any longer. And I went to him, and I was going to just tell him. And he was standing like this, looking up at me. 
and I was full of sweat and mud. And, <laughs> and as I looked at him, he said, get up that sand dune again. And I said, yes, sir. And I was up the sand dune. That's how we sometimes serve the Lord, you know. It's duty. It's good. It's better than sacrifice. But we need absolute obedience. It started with disobedience and focusing on more or less. It must end with absolute super obedience. Amen. Amen. Let's not walk in no man's land anymore. Let's stay with where we should be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there somebody up? Oh, wonderful. Let's just bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh, shalom Maybe you can stand with me. I must be transparent with you. I struggled through that sermon this morning. But I really, I really sense right now that God is wanting us to get free, really free. Do you know what I mean? I think what's happening politically and in other areas throughout the world is, is our moment. And we can't be spoiled brats anymore. We have to... We really have to take, take hold of that calling in our lives. Each and every one of you are called. When you walk out of this church right now, you're walking right into where you're called. You don't have to go to Ethiopia, Somalia, Zambia, India. Thank God if the Lord sends you to those places. Amen? Time has come to walk in the plan and purposes for your life. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, speak over this congregation right now, over these people. Activate them. Stir them up in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come upon them right now. God, I pray that you would challenge them. Lord, we're tired of just sacrificing and sacrificing. We want to obey. But above all, we want to truly obey out of our hearts and the way we obey is to do what you've called us to do hallelujah so I pray right now Lord that you would just move in the name of Jesus establish your kingdom in this place who wants to be set free from the more or less syndrome Put up your hands right now. 
God's got a lot more than the more or less. Father, right now, I pray for each and every individual right now that you would break through in their lives in the name of Jesus. Speak abundance over them, a release over them. In Jesus' name, amen.